Looks like I picked the wrong week for smoking. It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a Friday afternoon. And I would like to congratulate everybody in Pennsylvania because we have now officially reached the yellow phase of our COVID-19 recovery reopening plan uh, as set forth by Governor Tom Wolf of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, I should say. So that's good for us. It doesn't necessarily mean anything at all uh, for today's guest because he is not in Pennsylvania. He's joining us from England. It's Liam Jenkins, everybody, from the Philadelphia Sports Network. Liam, what is good, man? I'm good. I'm good. Congrats on the, the yellow stage. I have no idea what stage we're in, if I'm honest with you. I couldn't tell you. I think it's <laughs> we got told to stay alert for the virus, which I don't know what that means. Is it like if you see it in the street, shout at it? I, I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> we move. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what are they doing with you guys? Do you have, uh, are you still supposed to stay in your houses? Are you allowed to go? We can't even really go shoot a basketball around here because the, the rims uh, have been physically removed uh, from the basketball hoops, you know, you could go and you could go and illegally kick a soccer ball uh, or a football, as you guys would say, and uh, do it that way. But uh, yeah, I don't know who's more restricted. Are we more restricted, or are you more more restricted at this point? I, I didn't realize that America, each state's got its own thing, so that confused me when I first realized. But over here, I mean, we've entered lockdown. I want to say like a couple months ago, and I lasted about three weeks. But I mean, the thing is, my bedroom's like something out of Harry Potter, which I know plays to the British brand. But it's like the little cupboard that he, he sleeps in. So I started sneaking out to my office at like nine in the evening because I thought I won't see anyone. No one's in the building. Then the NFL draft weekend happened, so I moved there for like three days and had an airbed and like, and I was really worried of someone walking in and just seeing a, a like beer and pizza boxes and like I've been living in this office building. Um, but as of a couple of weeks ago, like you're allowed to, I think go back to work if you can, like if if it's safe to do so. And there's like a like some like small company, like a butcher or somewhere. Um, we've just had McDonald's come back today. So that's a big development. All right. That's the one. Um, yeah. yeah, we're getting there. Like, we can attend beaches and stuff. So we're slowly phasing back in. But it- slowly but surely. Slowly yeah. but surely. And that's good news. Yeah. Obviously, COVID's a big deal. Uh, we had an interesting week in my neighborhood with some protests and demonstrations. Obviously, the uh, the George Floyd thing is a big deal. And we'll, we'll sort of touch on that a little bit. As in, uh, We have a show run down here, and that's kind of wrapped into like a sports-related topic that we have coming a little bit later. Uh, so we don't want to diminish the importance of that, of course. Uh, but this is a Philadelphia Union podcast, as everybody well knows. So we want to talk about uh, the Philadelphia Union, give people some uh, some soccer, uh, something soccer-related, Philadelphia Union-related to look forward to. So with that being said, uh, Liam, we have breaking news in the Philadelphia Union world. Uh, Kevin Durant uh, is now a minority stakeholder uh, in the team. This was... Uh, I don't know if I don't know if we knew if it was coming or not because he had been there in December to you know to to meet with the ownership and talk to him about it. And then you didn't really hear anything for four five months, and then yesterday it's like oh he decided to do it. So uh, I have I wrote down six thoughts about it, but I'll actually I'll toss it to you first, and you can have the uh, the pleasure of the first Kevin Durant uh, take of the podcast. Oh, I feel, feel I'm gonna get all flustered now. Um... I, I don't know. It's interesting because I think we need to work out, obviously, what that means. Because it's only a minority stake, isn't it? He's not just suddenly bought the entire team and he's going right. to start calling it like the, the KD arena or anything. Right, right, right. But it's nice to see that a player of his age as well, it does feel like a very post-career investment that he'd probably want to get more involved in. After. I know a lot of people have started making ties to the Sixers, which I'm sure may be one of your points. Um, if it's not, never mind. <laughs> no, it, but, it was, it was, but it was, was, very, okay. was like one, it was one sentence. Yeah. Oh, fair. Um, but yeah, I, it, I think you're seeing a lot more savvy from players now, kind of where to put their money. And you had a statement, it was today or yesterday from Antoine Griezmann saying he'd like to end his career in the MLS. You're getting <laughs> to, to get a lot more, I think notoriety around it and for Durant to because I always thought he was a Washington guy he grew up in DC so the fact that he bought a Philadelphia team was bizarre I don't know what the link is there's a lot to there's a lot of mystique around it like it's very hard to say because he's not going to be like a an intact donor or someone that's going to have fingerprints all over the team I don't think but 
I'd be very intrigued to see how far that goes. Is it for branding? Is it, hey, I know people in the industry, let's get new players? I, I don't I don't know, but I'm very intrigued. It's the first move of that that I've ever seen of an ongoing athlete buying a team to do whatever with, I guess, or like putting an imprint on it. Yeah, it's interesting because the DC thing was reported that you know because that's his hometown, his home area, and uh, you know I'm, I'm curious as to why they didn't want his involvement. You know, I'd be interested in learning a little bit more about that. But it's funny with the Griezmann thing because I, you know, of course I like to try to try to come up with like the try, try to give like Union fans anything to be excited about, you know. And of course, you know, it's a huge stretch or whatever the hell. But I mean, you know, you know as well as I do that like you know, just having uh, a huge international superstar like Kevin Durant, his name attached to the small town Philadelphia, well, not small town, but small, small beans. Philadelphia Union is a big thing just for publicity and image uh, and, uh, you know, getting, getting some eyeballs on your team, you know? So, I mean, uh, worst case scenario, even if he's not putting a ton of money into it, it's like, oh, you know, Kevin Durant is, is part of this and uh, that's interesting. You know, you get some publicity and like, look again, you know, you got, you got a lot of these, like I made the point that a lot of these, uh, you know, foreign soccer players are huge NBA fans. You know, there's pictures of Durant out there with like Ozil and Ronaldinho, (laughs) like all these dudes, you know, it's, it's silly, but I mean, like all it really takes is like one good relationship or one good friendship to say, Hey, you know what? You're a huge, uh, you're a soccer player and a huge NBA fan. I have this team that I invest in in Philadelphia. Why don't you at least come down and talk to Jim Curtin? You know what I mean? Because, like, back in 2015 when they signed Tranquillo Barnetta, um, the reason Barnetta came over here to talk in the first place is because Oka Nikolov uh, was involved. You know, and he played zero games for the Philadelphia Union, but the connection was there from Frankfurt, you know? So, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going it, to it, – it's funny how the Durant thing could very easily be absolutely nothing at all. Uh, but when you think about, like, the ceiling and what it could be, like, the potential is kind of cool when you think about it, you know? Yeah, and I think it, it honestly depends on the outlook and how – hopeful you want to get it's very easy to take that and run with it and you know like the the easy analogy i would draw is you look at how he arrived at golden state and how much pull the players have in the league right when you look at basketball it's very much recruiting and it's lebron trying to bring people in or it's the warriors building the super team and then he's moving he'll do his own thing and you you look at how much pull that an individual player has to bring in a friend or someone that they want to play with if he can bring that to the union, even if it's just a drop of influence, even if he can't, if I'm him, I'm looking at that team going, look, they're on the rise. They had a very euphoric uh, playoff game last year. They've got a very passionate fan base. It's in, oh, is this the second biggest sports market in America? It's a good investment for money at the very least. And if you want to get more actively involved in it, it's a soccer set. We know Joel Embiid's a big soccer guy. Yeah. Um, Without going too far into that, you know? No, I mean, actually, we, we can just touch on that briefly. And I, this is the last Durant point I was going to make. But if you want to respond to it, that's cool. I was just going to say, like, you know, Embiid is a massive soccer fan. Uh, Josh Richardson is a big soccer fan. He's been down to Talon Energy Stadium or uh, Subaru Park before. Furkan Korkmaz is from Istanbul. Howell Neto, you know. Oh, Mike Scott has as well, doesn't he? Yeah, you know, so it's like I I feel like there's like actually from a macro like perspective here, I, I feel like there's something to latch on to here for MLS uh, or American soccer in general and the NBA because like naturally these sports seem to overlap and interface a lot because a lot of NBA the the international flair of the NBA and you know soccer of course being international it seems like there's a lot of like overlap and a lot of stuff to work with there I mean you see like James Harden getting involved with the the Houston Dynamo and what I I don't know like tangibly like realistically like how far you can stretch it you know we have these stupid things where it's like well you're our sister team and you're our sister team too you know, and you're in Japan and we're in Philadelphia, it doesn't mean j- jack shit at the end of the day. It's more like a symbol- symbolic whatever thing. But, like, I, I could say, you know, like, worst case scenario, you keep building these relationships and maybe it leads to, like, somebody like Luis Suarez says, okay, I am going to come over and play for, uh, you know, LAFC just because, like, Mia Hamm or Nomar Garcia Parra or Will Ferrell or another NBA or Magic Johnson's involved or something like that. And uh, I don't know, maybe it does have a tangible effect. It definitely could do. Uh, it, you're, again, I'm like starting to see that smarts of players trying to look into other areas. I know that, especially in quarantine period, how many NBA athletes have looked at esports. 
and I would say Jay Ajayi in the union. I know that was before quarantine, but I'd rather not mention whatever <laughs> he's trying to do there. Uh, but you're starting to see that there are new opportunities and people are looking at. And even me, like, I've looked at esports now and I racing in the streams that we're having every night. And yeah. it's, I know that's a totally different conversation, but you can see where if you're cooped up in nothing but your own thoughts for a few weeks and you start, end up going on YouTube, it's very easy with Kevin Durant to then suddenly go down YouTube loopholes of top 10 MLS goals of all time and end up going, hey, that union team are good. I'm going to make that call, actually. Like, it, I, I know that's a far-fetched reach, but in the climate we're in, I don't think it is. Like, I think that you can easily have a new interest spark up when there's nothing else to do other than play FIFA, watch soccer on YouTube, no. um, and start finding maybe a new passion outside of basketball. I'd be all for it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, all right, let's move on to topic uh, number two on the show sheet. Uh, and when I say show sheet, I mean just a bunch of shit I just typed out on the screen. Um, the Corey, Corey Burke had a hat trick this past weekend playing in Austria. Um, I, he shared the goals on Instagram, and I caught each of them up individually. I put them on Twitter last night. Um, I... I uh, <laughs> I was trying to be fair because, like, honest to God, like the defending was just terrible on all the goals. But Corey looks sharp, and he looks—he's—he's he's always been like strong and athletic, and he has good instincts. Um, the first goal, he kind of pounced on it, and and there was a mistake, and he turned the guy, and he scored. Uh, the second one, there was uh, oh, a guy like the center back had no idea where he was, and then the third one, the center back whiffed on a throw, and but Corey had a really nice run, flared out to the right, first touch, put it into space, and then finished far post. Um, did you did you see those video clips at all? I did see the goals. Yeah, I did see the. Goals. So I know that like so I've accidentally I think become very inacclimated with Union Twitter over the quarantine period. I joined the happy <laughs> hour. The word Shuey got around and that was it. So now yeah, I'm you've been on there. You've been on there every week. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I see it all. So yeah, I I was intrigued by it. I think my main worry because his loan expires in like a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, because I think the Austrian season. I mean, I think they were like you know almost all the way through their season i guess right so they were like lined up with germany where they were just going to come back and play like the eight or nine games remaining and they'd be done right so theoretically Corey could be done his loan could expire like right just in time for the union season to start but would it i don't know how much of an impact it would have. i mean obviously he's going to be one of the more match fit players because he would have had that experience out there yeah but i mean where would he realistically slot into a lineup if at all i mean like if you look at where the union season, I say started or ended in the same sentence, really, isn't it? But I felt right. that they just kind of figured out that perfect way of like where to float players inside to, like how that partnership's going to work, like pushing Aronson forward. Like, do you put him up front instead of Chibolko or do you have him on the left wing? Like, I'm not sure who would be the full guy if you're going to yeah. put him in off of, of what, not a fluky hat trick, but a very. Like you say, it was a subjectively like, <laughs> all right. Some of them were gifts, hat trick. I hate and I hate saying it because I don't like I don't I don't want to be an asshole and I don't want to take away from the guy. Like I'm never gonna have like anything negative to say about a hat trick. But like I mean, you know, I I wanted to see it because I don't really know much about the Austrian league outside of what Jesse Marsh is doing over there. Um, but it reminds me a little bit of the hat trick CJ had a couple years ago. He scored a penalty and one of them he scored. It was a it was a put back from like one foot away or whatever i mean some things do mean other things when you look at the nuance of it but the more important point as you're talking about is like what what would Corey burke be if he came back here now i mean because you already have shabilko 15 goals last year sergio santos who looked pretty good in the first two games and has a lot of upside and you paid a lot of money for him uh, and then you have andrew vooten sitting behind him making half a million dollars so i mean you bring in cory burke back what to, to to be the fourth striker that doesn't really help you at all and i don't think he wants he would want to come back and and be that anyway you know so i think if i'm looking at the best case scenario for Corey burke he keeps playing well in these last couple of games in austria maybe they turn that into a permanent sale you it know maybe, maybe yeah, he turns sorry, maybe you make some make some money off of it instead maybe say to him look like we really like you but you know when you had the the suspension or the or not the suspension like the visa issue and stuff like that we had to go and turn our attention into other things and kind of like find a way to replace you and it's no hard no hard feelings but the situation being what it is we have our guys now and why don't we find a team that we can sell you to and then both sides will be happy well especially if like let's just say the next two games that he plays in your say austrian bundesliga end up with let's say a goal and an assist and then the value to that team is like well we don't want to let him go what do we can we buy him afterwards like would the union then be open to a sale because yeah I, I think they would i think they've got enough depth up front 
I don't think you could take away Chibilka. I mean, Vutin, I think, is still a bit of an unknown. Um, yeah. It would be interesting to see maybe like a little bit of competition, but that's pre-season level. You know, you don't want to be feeling that out six, seven, eight games into <laughs> this Orlando super competition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like they fly, they'd fly him back from Austria and then they'd shove him in a hotel room in Orlando. And it's like, okay, now you're going to battle with Vutin for the third striker spot. You know, and then somebody, see, so because, because you're right, man. I mean, some, and somebody's going to be pissed off no matter what, because like then somebody's got to be the fourth striker, you know. So you can, there's no real situation to do it where everybody's happy or it even makes sense from a budget standpoint because you don't you, you theoretically wouldn't want your fourth striker to be making half a million dollars. No, I mean I it, I don't know how it works contract wise with him now, but if you can just sort of you wouldn't want to part ways with him for nothing, but if there was something you could work out before that loan deal ends to keep him in Austria and like have him get that familiarity in the country, like. Obviously, I know there were visa issues before, Jamaican international, like you don't want him going globe trotting in a time like this. So if yeah, you yeah. could just say, look, you're happy in Austria, you're clearly thriving. If you want to stay with that team, we're happy for you to do it. Here's X, Y, and Z. Um, Kevin Durant is going to take a little bit of my <laughs> Something like that, just to simplify it for him, because yeah. it does feel like he's by the time he's come back, that the team have moved on in many senses and that that all that almost era that could have been now will never be for a very poetic term <laughs> yeah yeah it's just a weird situation but you know it's quirky i mean how many times do you run into a visa situation which is complicated by a global pandemic which is then complicated by a labor dispute that pushes a season back it's just i don't i don't think there's a right or wrong way to go i think it just is what it is with weird extenuating circumstances so um Okay, speaking of which, and you touched on the Orlando thing. Uh, Honestly, like I tried to do a little bit of prep before the show, and I'm trying to figure out where the hell they are with the Orlando thing. I guess they agree that the league and the Players Association came to an agreement that they're going to do this. And, uh, you know, so they're just trying to iron out that there's the threat of a lockout. Uh, Now I guess they're in agreement that they're going to go do this thing. Nobody really has the details uh, on what an Orlando – setup would look like i mean based on what we were hearing it's some kind of group format and like round robin and then they would go to like a knockout tournament or something like that um i don't i don't know what the best way is to go forward i just think it's a funky situation because you're only two games in you know so i don't know like if you go play some like go play 10 is it 10 games is it 12 games is it 15 games i mean how far are we going like i just don't think i think what i would hate to see more than anything is they go and they play like a small tournament in orlando and then they go to like august or september or something and they're like okay we're done for the season and then by that point we're like well you got other sports that are playing still playing or maybe they're in half empty stadiums or 25 percent stadiums like i just i'm not really sure what a tournament i guess i would rather have MLS than no MLS. I just don't really understand necessarily if the if the Orlando thing is the best way to go forward. No, I mean it's a tricky spot, and I know I, I mentioned this to you when we had the Union Happy Hour Zoom call the other week. Was that it's in such a unique position where they're two games in, like every other sport, whether it's soccer, whether it's basketball, apart from the NFL that hasn't started at all. Um, but they're at the climax and there's playoffs on the line and a season's done and you've got complications of, well, if we null and void it, what happens? If we pursue and do the regular season, what happens? Do we skip to the playoffs and let everyone in and then just, it doesn't become a playoff. It's just, like That's what I get with the NBA. You've got like two teams, well, there's like eight, but two teams like missing out, which is like, that's just rewarding mediocrity for the sake of marketing, which I don't get. Like have a playoff yeah. and it means something. Um, the MLS is in a very, very unique spot where if they just said, right, we're pulling the plug on this season, here's something else in its place, I don't think anyone will be that mad because they're two games in. Like, you've not really lost anything. Um, if it was me, I would do some super jumbo MLS round robin. Take conferences out of it. I'd say stick them in Orlando sounds very anti-COVID, but obviously with social distancing <laughs> measures and, and protection in place... Yeah have each team play them once that's it one game against each team that's it do a league job done and then you've got like what each team plays a, a fair amount of games i know that's a bit extended then as well um yeah, yeah. and you can push on without the complexities of right well this team's gonna have that seed but then this team can play that team on a wednesday when it's raining because they're on the east and it's like you take that out of it just have one big super round robin um and then draw a line and you can start afresh at near enough the same point 
next year as opposed to doing what the NBA are doing, which is, all right, we're going to have a Christmas season in 2021 and, yeah, uh, and go from there. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, man. I just, I don't know. I feel like there's just a, a better way to do it. And I, of course, it seems naive to say that because we don't have all the details yet. But even if all, everybody went down to Orlando, maybe everybody in the East plays everybody else in the East. Everybody else in the West plays everybody else in the West. So like 10 or 11 games or something like that. And then you just take like the top four from each and send everybody else. And I, I guess my, my worry is like, I, I wouldn't want to like send teams home after they've only played like a handful of games like it's got to be meaningful to everybody to go down there like either you're playing a bunch of games and you're getting in like a legitimate like amount of time on the field or you're not you know so i I just wouldn't want to see a situation where the union go and they lose a bunch of games and then they play like five or six or seven or whatever it is and it's like oh well that's it thank you you know like because it feels it feels like it feels like it's almost i would i just wouldn't want them to do something premature when we may be coming out of COVID or we might not. Again, it's hard to say because now Florida is, like, fucking it up. But uh, I don't know. It's just <laughs> something, something, something about just feels, like, I don't know, iffy to me. I can't really put my yeah, finger on it. I think the worry is that the MLS is structured in such a way where all the jewels are at the end of the year, right? Where you, yeah. you've obviously got the Supporters Shield. You've then got the playoffs. You've got the MLS Cup. You've got all these other different tangibles that come into it. And then... When the playoff kicks on, it's a whole different entity. If you take that away, it has to be something of meaning. You can't just make it like a glorified exhibition tournament. Yeah. When yeah. That, I think that's the worry that you're going to go out and play seven games. It doesn't really matter anyway because the season doesn't exist. Like You don't want that mentality. It has to be meaningful and there has to be something to count for. Whether it is the supporters year, whether it is the cup, however they want to structure it or both it has to stand for it. Because if it doesn't, you're literally sending teams to Orlando with a security or safety risk <laughs> for no yeah. real reason other than it's soccer, you might as well. Like, it, it won't make that much sense. No, you're right. And, like, I think, like, with the NBA, too, like, if you take, like, a stinky team like the New York Knicks, for example, and you say, like, what's the incentive for the Knicks to go down to Orlando when they're, like, already, like, 15 games back and they have no shot of making the playoffs anyway? And so they didn't. So they're not bringing them down there. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's got a mean... It does have to have like a meaningful purpose. Like you have to be playing towards a goal, or there has to be something that you're trying to achieve here, or else it's just like uh, watching the the preseason February games down there, like we always do every year. Um, well, hopefully we learn more about that, and we can actually like talk on the next podcast. We we'll actually have like a, the actual format to critique. But um, let me take uh, show topics number four and five and kind of combine them here, because on Thursday Major League Soccer lifted. Uh, the the moratorium on team training and so now they're allowed to actually like do things together as a team and i've been complaining about this on twitter from day one just kind of railing on the fact that like they like look for a little bit of background here like you know when they started they were breaking the team the players up into quadrants there were four quadrants on the field you're allowed to have one player in each quadrant and then they last week they had like six quadrants or something like that and this person had to be 10 feet away from this person you couldn't touch the ball with this i mean they still have rules like like listen to this rule uh only individual prepackaged meals and individually wrapped utensils may be provided to players and staff who must maintain 10 feet of physical distance while eating. How are the meals and being it... delivered? By a rope and a, a hook? <laughs> they just kind of like know. pulling them over? <laughs> like they send like a robot out to the training facility and then like the robot opens its its stomach and you pull the pre-wrapped like you know egg salad sandwich out of the robot or something I, I don't know it just i think like my thing i don't want to be like insensitive to covid because like i know we're not out of this yet but it, like it, it, at what point does trying to be safe and trying to you know have do your due diligence and uh make sure everybody feels comfortable at what point does that border or, or cross a border into just absurdity you know what I mean? Like I went out, I went, I went out nine weeks ago with another dude and we stood 30 uh, yards apart uh, and we just kicked the ball back and forth like long balls. I mean, we didn't touch the ball. We weren't close to each other, but we were able to do that. And yet I'm like, okay, these guys are allowed to like go train individually, but they can't pass a ball and they can't shoot at a goalkeeper. You know, the goalkeeper has to kick the ball at a wall and it comes back to him. Like, I don't know. Am I, am I off base here to think that it was just kind of like a little bit much? No, no, I fully agree. I don't. I mean, I went. I started jogging for about a week, and I've stopped doing that now because exercise is lame. Um, but well, during that time, like, I come home and I was wearing my shoes right now. So my brother was like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Well, I'll just come home." And he was like, well, "Take your shoes off." I was like, "Wait a minute, let me sit down." And he was like, "No, because if you caught COVID on your shoes," and I was like, "What?" 
And he was like, well, if you stand on it, or like if you go past uh, contaminated ground, or if a dog urinates somewhere, and it's con- anyway, I was like, oh wow, okay, well that's going to make training <laughs> difficult for teams if that's a thing on grass. But I, I don't know. I feel like at this point, it, I know America is a totally different world to where we are, but. Most people here have kind of sacked off the lockdown now. We've gone, oh, well, it, we've done it. And we've done it for a month. But the numbers are through the roof. Like, there's nothing we can do. Just like, it's the most British, like, acceptance <laughs> waving the white flag. But the, I think the sports teams, there is that concern. But it's either practice to a point where you can properly or don't at all. Like, kicking a ball against a wall for a goalie isn't helping much, is it? Like, there's yeah. the, the quadrant thing I get, like, to a point, if you can individually train for fitness and for fatigue and for like conditioning was the word i was looking for there yeah great but soccer's such a the whole point of soccer is kicking the ball from player to player uh <laughs> being physical yeah. like pushing through tackles like if someone's not making a tackle for three months and they go to orlando could you imagine how red cards that are going to come out yeah you no know, it's funny and like it's, that's a good point because you have you have diminishing returns like very quickly diminishing returns on every individual training session that you do because i don't know how you can just expect like at some point you have to be able to start shooting and passing the ball and like having contact with other players because that's just not like you can individually train and be in the best shape in the world, but you're not ready to play soccer, you know, cause like you said, there's all this other stuff that you're not letting them do right now that inevitably they're going to go to. I just, I just worry that it's like, we're going to like, wait, 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 and be careful, careful, careful. And it's like, okay, well now just go play. You know, like you, if you, if you're going to like, like based on the timeline that it seemed like we were on, we were like aiming towards like 2021 to start playing again, you know? Like soon we'll be like eight point five feet apart, and then we'll be six feet apart again. Like I, I don't, I'm not gonna like begrudge MLS for you know just being cautious and trying to do right by the players and do right by the fans and, and make sure they don't get any negative publicity. But like on the flip side of that, to be to play devil's advocate, um, you know, like we said on the podcast before, MLS is in a situation here where you know the the sports that come back first are gonna have extra eyeballs on them. You know, I've been I'm a UFC guy, so I've been, I always watch it. But UFC had you know some exclusive eyeballs because it came back first. Bundesliga had a bunch of people watching it who'd never watched it before, you know? So, like, people who know Mats Hummels and Robert Lewandowski and all those guys, it's one thing. But now you're, you know, people who don't normally watch Bundesliga are more familiar with the league because they got they got ahead of the curve and they were able to get some exclusivity on it, you know? I just, I just fear MLS taking their time and being safe and being safe and being safe to the point where they come back, and then they're just fucking buried by basketball and NHL and NFL coming back and college football and NASCAR and everything where... I don't know, maybe like selfishly, I hope that they could find a way to get ahead of the curve and like try to take advantage of it somehow. But I guess that's not going to happen, yeah. you know? No, I mean, the only way I, I can look at it is could you imagine a press conference in Orlando? Like, let's just say this happens in a month or whatever. Jim Curtin's down there, sat, I think she sat in front, probably on a Zoom call with media. And they're asking, all right, so how, how was training? How did you find this? And they're like, well, Brendan Aronson can now do an around the world. Uh, Jacob Glesnes has perfected the keepy up. He can do 50 in a row now. So <laughs> that's good. Um, Alejandro Bedoya can now sing in Spanish, Hero by Enrique Iglesias. So that was brilliant. <laughs> um, and now we're all here for a tournament. So it should be fun. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite the interesting uh, situation all around. Um, so speaking of, of returning to play, uh, Premier League is coming back in uh, not next wednesday but the wednesday after that um number one well let me just ask you this i mean what what, what's the like what's the feeling over there across the pond about like return to play are are people ready for it are there concerns uh about how they're doing it like is, is there a general sort of like consensus or feeling on the on the league coming back uh i think the main one is that liverpool can win the league properly and it not have an asterisk next to it which is what every Liverpool fan was concerned about (laughs) because (laughs) they'd basically won it anyway and there were so many talks of it being null and void and I didn't get that because I think that you've got so many teams on the brink of either relegation, like teams like West Ham, for instance, who could realistically save their season. Um, You had to do something and Liverpool was so running away with it at the other end of the table when it was like, we could just give them the title and null and void the rest. But I think overall, the, the consensus is it's great it's coming back. But then you've got, I think, a double stand. I'm not sure if you've seen, but there was uh, Tyrone Mings from Aston Villa went out and said that he doesn't support the league coming back because of safety concerns over COVID, mm-hmm. then went to a Black Lives Matter protest in a mask. And it's like, I understand the duality of that, but yeah. you can't have both. Like, 
do you know like it's a bit of a weird one where i fully understand the reason he's gone to that protest and i'm sure we're touching it later and how important that is for someone of his stature to be on that platform in london doing something but yeah. then to complain about the safety of the premier league it's very much a bit of a double standard depending on where your priorities lie well, and, and also Aston Villa stinks in their 19th place and they're in right. threat, threat of being relegated. So it's like when, uh, you know, the LA Kings players came out and say, we don't really feel like finishing the season. Well, of course you don't because you're in last place. You know, so you have that <laughs> I, I don't know. complication too. I, 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 um, I, I would agree with the sentiment that, you know, it's, it would be nice to see Liverpool like do it in, a, in actuality. Um, because I don't, I don't like the fact, like, I just, you know, love watching guys and, and women go out and like compete and like be rewarded for their achievements and, uh, you know, do what they do at the highest level and seeing their season out to completion or to fruition or something. No, I just think it would be a shame if, uh, you know, a guy who's had a season like a Virgil van Dyke or a LeBron James or a, or a Giannis or something like that, that everything they've done this year just stops automatically you know like i i was always in favor of like i don't care how far you got to push it back if it affects next season like let's bring this to completion and let's crown a champion you know because i just i just feel like that's fair to the people who've like worked really hard and busted their ass and then put in so much this year you know i would hate for it to just be like well that's the end of it you know because i think you can just push it back indefinitely because really what are you risking like so what we start the premier league like two months later next year i don't think that's I don't think next season is more important than crowning a champion this year. You know what I mean? No, and especially considering how much ground has been made this year. And you look at it, it's hard not to look at it from a purely Liverpool perspective because they've run away with it. And yeah. for them to not win it and be given the full crowd, I know they can't really have the bus through the city sort of tour because that won't end well, but they can drive a bus <laughs> around an empty street and televise it. That'd be good. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think that they need to have that, certainty of like we have won it we've deserved that we've done everything we can um it's also then a little bit unfair on obviously the european race there are like ramifications throughout the table obviously the big thing now is contracts which i know we'll end up touching on in a minute because of one of the other topics coming up um but it's uh it's a tricky spot i'm glad it's coming back i'm glad it's one of the first leagues to come back um and hopefully it's just looked after and managed in a proper way like we're not seeing the same oh, well, they're training in quadrants like in MLS. It's just, all right, league's coming back. They're training now, lol, let's go. And yeah. we're like, oh, okay, right. Football's back. <laughs> so yeah. I think MLS is different because every state has a different legislation on what's right, what's not, what you can do, whether you're uh, full lockdown, whether everything's normally a go. Um, I know when we had the, the happy hour the other day when Farfar was like just out of store saying restaurants are open and stuff, like other cities don't have that yet. So there's that element of well if it's okay for one area the other team can't practice to that extent so it's unfair and there's an advantage whereas england's all in one boat and we're like no nah, we'll do it together we're fine yeah yeah no you know it, it you know it's funny it's like I, I i this is kind of fascinating to me because i think like you know obviously the premier league where you are is like the nfl where where we are and i think people are more inclined because the nfl means so much and is so big over here that people are more inclined to just say uh, fuck the guidelines and fuck the rules. Let's just get back. To play. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Whereas like MLS is like a lot more progressive and kind of has like political, like um, if if we're putting sports on a political spectrum here, the NBA and the MLS would probably be a little bit more left and progressive and cautious and care more about those kinds of things. Whereas the NFL, you'd say, well, let's go. You know, and I feel it feels like the perception over there. Um, you tell me if I'm right or wrong, but it feels like people are are willing to throw caution to the wind and say, let's just get the Premier League up and going again. I think, yeah, it doesn't help that the government over here is making an absolute mare of the situation where um, they were ba they put out a statement. It was previously all locked down. And then there was a statement that came out a couple of weeks ago that basically said, go to work, but don't go to work. Use public transport, but don't. Um, stay alert, which, again, I still don't know what that means. Um, and everything will be fine. And everyone's had this state of confusion as to what the hell was going on. You've uh. then got uh, an MP, so a member of the parliament, driving like across like two cities to do something with his kid at a family event which everyone's jumped on him for after months of us being locked down then you've got public beaches being flooded with people now you've got the protests it feels like there's been a sudden disregard yeah. because the government don't know what they're doing which is obviously terribly scary because like we've got the highest mortality rate for it in in europe mm. but from a general public standpoint of the premier league it's like well 
we're already back to uh, as normal as can be in a lot of ways. Like, obviously, we still have to wear masks and we can't go to many places like pubs and anything like that. But compared to where we were three months ago, it's like, yeah, what's people socially distancing in empty stadiums, training, socially distancing with medical teams and tests really going to do? And I think that's the main thing. Like, people are just thinking everyone's on the same page. They all want to finish the season. Like, there's not that discrepancy unless you're, again, Aston Villa or someone at the bottom end of the table struggling yeah. to to get it done so it's more i think an english will to like just get it done get it out of the way move on it's a very british like come on let's get it out of the way yeah. um and yeah. get it sorted so yeah it's i think everyone's excited for it but you have to kind of uphold those same values of being careful just maybe not to the extremes that we're seeing in america where everyone's on a different page depending where they are um so Speaking of uh, teams that are at the bottom of the table, I don't mean to take a, I don't mean to take a ch- cheap shot, but um... <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not... <laughs> uh, your your guys at Charlton are um, are what like 18th, 19th, or, or like near the bottom of the championship right yeah. now. So what happens? So they're going to come back and they're just going to try to stuff like what the the remaining eight or nine games into into like thirty days is that is that what they're doing with the championship? Yeah, luckily, which means we've got a hope. But our the clubs are total mess at the moment. So I mean, the fact I've even got a club to support is great. Like, I don't know how familiar you are, probably just from my Twitter feed. But we had a terrible owner before for a very a condensed story mm-hmm. who was just trying to he bought the club with no intent of investing in it and tried to sell it, then sold it to a consortium that we thought was fantastic they came in we had a month of absolute glamour and the high life and then it turns out that they'd spent club money on range rovers and very dodgy things and a massive apartment then it turns out there was no money put into the club to begin with and the club was bought for for one pound so for like a dollar and now they're trying to sell it again the club's been gutted it might go into liquidation um and then they were like well the the season could be paused and end it as it is like they might not bring it back and the Charlton defence was, A, relegation would literally kill our club because no yeah. one's going to buy us out of a, a League One situation. And B, the our manager was saying, we were in the relegation zone for six days. We lost to Middlesbrough, which was the one game I was going to go to, but I couldn't convince my mum to go because we were both in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and we lost that game. We went into the relegation zone. The season stopped. Like We were in there for about the blink of an eye. The rest of the season, we'd just been hampered by... Every you can have a whole start and eleven of Charlton injuries at one point. It was that bad. So to actually have a shot at survival, I'll, I'll take it. Like, hey, if it's a club to support and we're alive and there are players in a Charlton shirt, I'm happy. Whether it's in the Championship or playing some dodgy pub team in the eleventh tier of English football because the club folded, <laughs> I'm happy. But if we can somehow stay up after the yeah. miracle we had last year, then uh, I'm happy. Um. Bundesliga has is Bundesliga on Sky over there. What what channel shows it? It's on. I think it's split between Sky and BT. Sky and BT. Are you guys? So are you guys getting the uh, the the fake crowd noise with the Bundesliga games, or is it? Did, did they turn that off? No, no, we've got it. Um, I've got a really interesting. I say interesting take, and I'm not trying to guess myself. But I've got a take on it that might be interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think what they should do, and I pitched this in a video for the NFL is i'm not sure if you're familiar with motorsport but formula e Mm -hmm. okay so they do a thing where essentially during the race you've got social media to get fan boost so if your favorite driver is let's say in a battle and everyone tweets that driver's hashtag then at a point in the race he gets an extra horsepower boost so he can deploy that when he wants so it encourages Mm. fan interaction i think if you're going to have empty stadiums do that but have all the fans tweet all the hashtags and the more hashtags, the louder one end of the stadium gets in comparison to the other side with the other fans. <laughs> That's pretty cool. No, it's creative. I, I, I like the ways of, it's just a time to like encourage like outside the box thinking, you know, like I think the one team, uh, shit, it was, it was like Aarhus in uh, Denmark or something did the, put up the video boards with like the fans on zoom or something like that, you know, so you could see like the supporters around the stadium and stuff like that. Um, I think like my my take on the on the crowd noise is like number one. I wish that they would just give the fans the option of whether they want it or not. You know, like just give me like the SAP on the remote control. Like I don't know if you guys have the thing over there where you just over here we have a button where you can like turn it from like uh, toggle like English and Spanish or whatever other option you know. And uh, 
you know, let the let the fan choose if they want to do it or not. I think the thing about the fake crowd noise is that it sounds fine and it looks good when they're on these tight shots where you can only really see like the players anyway. But then when they zoom out or they pan or they turn or they're in the corners near the flags or something like that, you see the empty seats and you hear the fake crowd noise at the same time and it just looks in, it feels inorganic because you're hearing all this noise, but you're looking at an empty you know stadium like your eyes and your ears are not matching up you know with the senses that you get on the screen you know so um i don't know man i just had something about ufc like being able to hear like the heavy breathing of the guys in between rounds or hearing the coaches talk to them or you know hearing like the the slap of the leather and stuff that just feels like natural and organic to me and like i i would i would like for soccer fans to take the opportunity to try to learn a little bit more just or try to get more of an idea of like how these guys communicate during a game like how much talking there is between like the center backs and the defensive midfielders or stuff like that or you know how chunky and hard some of these tackles are I just think uh you know if you're giving me the choice of like doing something inorganic versus organic like I'm always going to choose organic by default yeah I mean there's it is a time for out the box thinking and you can do some really creative things like I think NHL, like I was on the conference call with Gary Bettman, and they were saying that they've got some really like, outside-the-box things planned for when they come back. And you think with the mic'd-up technology that we have now, where you've got different players like, in the NFL have that kind of access, it's probably the better time to trial some of that and bring fans closer to the game. Like, it's having fan noise is there, but it's so based on atmosphere. And if it's artificial atmosphere, it doesn't sit right. And it's almost a little bit cringy, and it's a bit over the top and I couldn't imagine being a player being used to so many thousands of fans all chanting and singing and Tafosi and you know smoke or whatever and then just hearing a in the background it's a bit a bit odd so I would say yeah take the opportunity mic up at one player from each team um have those studs that the kick of the ball the referee hear the referee's communication like you never hear that in soccer yeah, have that yeah. opportunity like we never hear that and yet the NFL has it and it's so important and you have so many controversial decisions where it's a yellow or a free kick and not a pen and not every league has VAR like take that opportunity to mic up a ref and, and bring it closer that way like, but don't like you say artificially just inject atmosphere that's yeah. going to detract from the experience because it just it's like WWE don't do it like that is the most audience based <laughs> like sport there is it's sole yeah. purpose is to get fans yeah. going yes no maybe singing along whatever and they're not there and they play on that and they play on that like deadpan humor almost of just having it so awkwardly quiet so yeah. I, I don't know why they couldn't try something where they just have zero crowd noise well and it's you know and this may be like a dumb analogy but maybe this maybe i can get it to make sense you know like now is an opportunity not just in sports but for everybody to maybe like kind of try something different or to like give something a go and like an example i'll use is like all these people are like bitching because they can't get their hair cut and i feel like saying like i'm like well you're not going anywhere dude like <laughs> you're not going to a wedding or you're not going to work or whatever so like if you ever like if you've had short hair your entire life and you've like wanted to try to grow it out like but you've never been able to like why not just take the opportunity to do something different you know, just see what the hell happens. You know, don't you have like a man bun going or something right now? Oh, I was going to say, yeah, just don't do a Liam, which is my story is, okay, this is, it's a storied haircut. Um, basically my birthday was April 6th. Okay. So in March, me and my friends planned, so I got my best friends in where I live and friends up North in Manchester. We're all going to meet in London and watch Charlton versus Millwall, which is like the ultimate Charlton rivalry like London, South mm. London, South London hate each other, but never play because we're terrible. So it was a, that, the day of my birthday. So we were going to go up for that, get drunk, do whatever. Next day, WrestleMania was on, perfect. And then a week later, I go to Philadelphia and see everyone and have wholesome plans. Um, that didn't happen. So I spent the whole of March growing my hair out for this event to cut it a week before. The idea was it all looked good for that week. That didn't happen. So I've now had like three weeks of hair growth mm. when I should have like three weeks. So I decided to cut the sides off and then I saw the back and I was like, I could mullet this, but I was too scared to cut the top. So it's way too long on top. There's a mullet and I just tie the top up and there's like a man bun mullet vibe going <laughs> that isn't pretty, but hey, you know what? Beggars can't be choosers at this point. But the, but the point the point is, is that like now you know what that looks like. And oh yeah, like, atrocious. there's an opportunity where you're not fucking going anywhere where you can experiment with that. You know, so it's like the same with, 
the same as some of these sports. It's like, you know, you're never going to have a better opportunity than now where everything we're already operating like with a big asterisks on all of these seasons anyway. That if you had said, hey, maybe we'll try doing this or try doing that because, you know, it's always going to – it's kind of just extenuating circumstances anyway, then why not do it? You know, so like that's just kind of the, the the way that I see it going with that thing. Um, okay, two more topics here. Actually, let me uh, – yeah, let's, let's do them in order here. Okay, so so we were, we were, this, we were talking – to bring it back to the union, we were talking – on Twitter, um, I guess last week or the week before, um, about the Jacob Glessness free kick goal and uh, the Carlos Ruiz goal from 2011 against the Chicago Fire. And uh, just like a healthy like sports radio kind of argument on like what goal that we thought was better. Because I think a lot of people were saying that Glessness's goal could be the best goal that the team has ever scored. Like number one goal in franchise history. And like I could – see people making an argument for that. My argument was still that the Carlos Ruiz goal um, was number one because, I don't know, it's weird. I think sometimes you get recency bias where people just, like, have something fresh in their mind and they say, oh, wow, that was amazing. It just happened yesterday. Maybe that's, like, the top of their mind or at the forefront of their mind right now. Like, I still think if I had to break it down on, like, technique and difficulty, I would still give the edge to somebody who's hitting a volley with their weak foot a moving ball with their weak foot from like 35 yards versus somebody who's hitting a static ball with their strong foot from like 38 or 39 or whatever that was, you know? I mean, that was always my argument where I, I could, I could, I would put Carlos Ruiz number one, but I could see the Glessness goal being like the second or third best goal that the union have ever, ever scored. But my argument was like, you know, striking a dead ball with your strong foot versus striking a moving ball with your weak foot. I mean, the, the Ruiz goal, if I remember right, had a load of, like, just curl on it as well, didn't it? Like, just bent itself up into the top the top left. Yeah, well, he, yeah, it, I think he just, it didn't really have curl on it. It just hit, like, perfectly on, at, like, at the right underneath the crossbar, where I think if it was, like, an inch or two, an inch or two higher, it would have missed. But, again, with that thing, somebody made the point, too, like, well, he's just not really aiming. He's just kind of firing it back on goal. And, uh I, I could get that. Like, I, you know, maybe that's not what he intended to do. But still, I think I would put it this way. Like, if you if you put uh, Liam Jenkins or Kevin Kincaid out on a field and you let us take each of those shots 100 times, um, I think we would be able to hit the Glessness goal, like, maybe two two times or three times, or is it like the Ruiz goal I think is like one in 100. Like, I don't know. I just I just feel like it would be easier to try to, to try to hit the dead ball than the moving ball, you know? Yeah, I get that. I think, for me, it would come down to, because I'm English, it would come down to the limbs that the goal caused, right? So you want absolute euphoria in the stands, like fans flying everywhere, like screaming. Mm. I think the Glesner's goal was such a shock because no one expected him to do it. Like, of all the people <laughs> to hit that shot. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, for a center for a center back to hit that, yeah. Yeah, and in yeah. the context of that game against that opponent, like, and looking back at that game as a whole and how... Like that was might be the most fun uni game I've seen in forever. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting too because the Carlos Ruiz goal he hit a really shitty free kick before that, like tried to chip it over the wall and like nothing really happened, and then he just hit the rebound in. But I think like the see if you're looking at the sequence from start to finish, like the Glessness goal was beautiful, whereas the first half of the Ruiz thing is just like BS. But it's, it was a great goal either way. Uh, either way, but uh, maybe I just redo the top ten goals story that i wrote a couple years ago maybe i just do an updated version of it or something um okay last topic here um i have a couple questions and stuff but i think in the questions we covered we covered most of the stuff that people were asking about in the questions anyway so we'll just we'll do this topic and then we'll end it because um, i don't want to keep you any longer um so the carly lloyd thing um <laughs> just a bit of background here i wrote this story up for the site earlier in the week and and this links into the George Floyd stuff um, at the same time, so I felt like this was a good way to kind of approach the subject. So Carly Lloyd uh, got ripped on Twitter because I guess she came out on Saturday, like right when all the protests and demonstrations were starting, and she went on and she went on Twitter and she said, "Does anybody know where I can get a push cart for golf uh, so I can play with my husband?" Which is like whatever innocuous it's not a big deal she's just asking a question but again like you know it looks like you're it looks like you're tone deaf because you're asking <laughs> asking about something trivial when there's something really big and something important going on you know it's like it's like that brand that unfortunately schedules a, a tweet that's meaningless after like some big tragedy happens you know like that so people come out and they rip her and then she comes back and says i'm not a racist blah 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 and all this stuff um i guess the topic that the thing that i'm interested in and like the way to direct the conversation is like 
it's just strange, you know, in the world where you have like a, a situation like George Floyd happens and then you got these people on Twitter. Um, I, I guess I would say it this way. I feel like it's a tough situation for athletes sometimes or, or even like brands, you know, because they're in a position where, uh, you know, you're expected to come out and say something and acknowledge that something big and important is going on in this country. Uh, but then if you don't get it right, you got people who are like ripping you for using the wrong word or not saying this or because they don't think it's sincere or they don't think it's heartfelt. Um, and then you also get ripped if you don't say anything at all. So, like, I feel like in a case of, like, Carly Lloyd, like, I think sometimes she takes more shit than she has to, but she should do a better job of reading the room. Uh, still, I think, like, people are just wasting their energy by, like, sitting there on, like, social media and waiting for this athlete and this athlete to make their statement and then judging whether the statement is good enough or not or putting them on a list because they didn't make a statement about George Floyd. You know, it just feels like there's a better use of energy. Yeah, I mean... As someone that that owns a brand as well, and I'm sure like maybe Kyle can experience the same sort of thing. Like it is difficult, and I look to people that are in this industry, and I, and this is more media. I know it's not quite the same, but that have a platform, and I'm like, well, I feel responsibility as someone in England as a business in Philadelphia. Like all my writers, my friends are all out there that are living this. Like if I don't acknowledge it, I'm doing a disservice to them and our platform where we've got a very healthy amount of youtube subscribers we've got a lot of eyes on our website and on twitter if we don't positively do something then we're letting everyone down and, and there was a quote that i put it's like if you have a platform and you're only indulging yourself then you're not doing anything for anyone and i love that but i also feel that there is a cancel culture and like i would relate it to so that my favorite bands like the 1975 and they've got a song called love it if we made it which is about police brutality and it's about racism mm -hmm. and how modernity's a, a shit show. oh my god i swore i'm sorry like a shit show now it's all gone wrong no you're allowed to sit say whatever i already dropped like three f-bombs um but yeah and it's just about how awful the world is as a result but it's directly referencing the i can't breathe thing from uh, another police brutality incident and he the, the lead singer tweeted that and just referenced it and everyone came at him and counseled him and said oh, how can you be so insensitive to self-promote and benefit from this and i'm like dude the song's about police brutality. Like, I don't think you've tweeted that gone, yeah, I can make an extra, what, $300 from YouTube revenue because <laughs> thousands of people have listened to my song. It's a way of artistic yeah. expression. People are waiting for people to fail. But what I don't get with, like, the Carly thing, and, and even that, which is why I brought it up, is that you're on the same side, really. Like, everyone's trying to get the same... I'd like to think we're all trying to fight the same battle and get the same result. Just because someone does it a different way and it might not adhere to your politically perfectly correct worded sentence that you've constructed doesn't mean it's wrong like it might be a little bit outside the box or it could have been said better but yeah. if you're on the same thing and you're clearly pushing the same way don't tear those people down tear the people down that are clearly against it you know like that's yeah. where the energy should be pushed not trying to cancel people who are on your side that's what scares me about social media is that especially for <laughs> brands and stuff like i've lost close to like 60 followers this last week just from being yeah. quite vocal and sharing stuff because people are i don't know like they want to tear each other down it's, it's quite scary no you're right man i agree with that because at the end of the day it's like isn't it a waste of energy to kind of nitpick people who like ult ultimate ultimately are allies you know i mean maybe you would like to have them look at it a little bit differently or maybe perhaps read the room better but if i'm giving you the choice of like uh, you know, addressing the uh, the old white Irish guys with the baseball bats who walked through my neighborhood versus like Carly Lloyd, who ultimately is still a role model to a lot of people and a great athlete and a good person who does a lot of things for charity. <laughs> like ultimately, you're going to like say, well, we should probably try to address the the old white guys with the baseball bats. You know what I mean? So I just I just it's like weird to see people go down that road. Um I mean, the women's national team, of course, I think it's a little bit different situation because there's a lot more activism coming coming from, from that group of players, more probably more so than any sport or team or organization in the world. Um, but it's interesting to me to see how the George Floyd stuff kind of spilled into sports around the world. You know, I see like Leon Edwards, who's British. I see him out there um, at protests. You know, you see it in, in England. You see it in the UK. You see it, you know, it extends to like all the racist bullshit that like Mario Balotelli you know, and other guys in, in interna international soccer have dealt with. So, like, in a, in a way, I mean, I guess we're going to, like, try to take a long view at it and look at, like, if there's a, a positive, like, 
soccer relation to it at least like i think that maybe maybe they can loop all the stuff happening in america right now and say look like we told you so we've been trying to say this from the beginning you know 100 percent. and i mean like i go back to well something that hits a little bit closer to home i mean our striker before he ditched us lyle taylor endured a lot of it there was an incident with the leeds goalkeeper that made national headlines for racially abusing uh jonathan lecco he was on loan at charlton and then leeds didn't do anything about it like at all and they sided with the player and it had to go through the league to get settled. Mm. And uh, Leeds then tweeted Black Lives Matter and everyone's like, all right, okay. And that's, I think, the other thing. That's the only thing that I can say. I mean, in terms of soccer, it's that uh, it brings that attention. And I mean, this is something that has been a fight in England for a while. I mean, we've had monkey chants. We've had all sorts, just from an older demographic. And the thing with England is that in comparison to America, it's not culturally diverse to that extent because it's just smaller. Um, and I mean, mm. I'm in an area where I was saying on a podcast recently where I'm essentially in a small rural town of Texas for comparison. I'm a million miles away from anything. There's no major <laughs> airports. Most people are white. And this, I promise this isn't an, an exaggeration or something just said for effect. Like when I was at school in my year group of like, what, 200 kids that may have gone to that school, there was one black person. That was it. That was, it. and it's because, and it's you know, it's a, a not culturally diverse area. So a lot of the the views that are upheld down here, and I hate it, is that of what the generations before them who grew up and died in that area, and from them who grew up and died. Do you see what I'm saying? So it doesn't yeah. ever change. Um, and a lot of that then extends to football when you've got groups of you know predominantly white kids, and maybe one of the friends is a bit more vocally dominant and extends a view. The friends don't call them out on it. And the problem in England is that it's that of social groups and talking and the the names that people think are acceptable when they're not, as opposed to in America, where it's far more a systematic oppression, if that makes sense. And from the top down, yeah. opportunities are different. Um, so from my perspective here, it's like trying to make a difference of people in my area and say, look, if you're going to post a Black Lives Matter photo and do nothing afterwards, there's no point. Like, you can't be vote, you can't be silent for something you weren't never vocal about. That doesn't work. Um, so, like, do something. And I think that's now extending to football teams who want their fans to go out and do something. Um, and, like, teams who make, like, teams like West Brom, for instance, who I know were, like, the first team in England to have three black players. And, mm. like, they've come out and been very active. And you're trying to take that older generation of fans who maybe uphold those values and show them something different. And if that does have an impact on the comfort of players from every nationality, because it's not just black people here, it's, you know, England's very diverse in the nationalities that we get for football. You know, obviously most yeah. Salah's Egyptian, for instance, you know. Like, there's a lot of abuse that comes with that from those older demographics of fans. And if that this helps stomp that out a little bit or at least raises pressure on the leagues to act on it better and to punish offending players and to ban fans that do stuff inside the stadiums then that has to be seen as a problem i know that was very long-winded sorry for rambling there but no dude that was that was 100 percent. you kidding me that was spot on i mean i i agree 100 percent. i don't have anything else to say <laughs> it's like i just i just hope that yeah i mean again because we it feels sad to say but I'll, I'll i'll wrap it up by saying this like you know unfortunately we have situations like this that happen every couple of years you know, and we kind of go through the round of protests and then nothing really happens. And so you're just hoping there's a breaking point at, at, at some point, you know, and there's some kind of tangible uh, change moving forward. But it's nice to see everybody kind of united and to see that it's become a global thing as well and not just like an American problem, you know, so I'll say that. Um, Liam, that's it, man. I don't have any more topics, but I'll give you the uh, I'll give you the last word if you had anything else that you want to touch on. Uh, no, I think I'm all good. I think we've had a, a lovely little chat there. I'd love to come back on. Liam Jenkins, everybody, from the Philly Sports Network. It's phillysportsnetwork.com. His Twitter is at Liam Jenkins PSN. Uh, Liam Jenkins, not Leroy Jenkins, just so everybody, everybody has <laughs> it off. Liam, thanks, man. Thanks for doing this. Uh, I've, I've owed you one because I think you had me on your show like six or seven years ago or something like that. Yeah, I always remember as well before we wrap up that there was a time where the, the MLS season, it was the first day, and you tweeted about DraftKings, and I was like, oh, we should play head-to-head, -head, and you went, bet. And my I was on a coach from London, and my internet and my phone ran out of data. <laughs> and I couldn't get it done. And I was so fuming, and I was like, I can't you know, slide back in five hours after the games, like, hey, so next week we can bet money? <laughs> yeah, well, hey, you know, it's, it's, hey, everything comes full circle, as they say, you know? So here, here, we, here we are, you know, so... 
Uh, no, thanks for the time, man. That was great. I appreciate you hopping on, and uh, we'll get you. Uh, we'll get you on again some other time. Uh, if anybody else had any other questions, sorry, I didn't. Um, I didn't get to them. I think we tried to get to most of the topics that everybody had in an hour. And uh, somebody asked for a, a shirt, a jersey update. Um, I think they're going through the uh, the factories making them, and they're shipping them right now. So uh, sorry, I meant to get in touch with Robbie from Icarus, but I'll call him and I'll just say, hey, if, can you give me an update here? And I'll share something on Twitter. But we did very well. We're we're probably going to end up uh, with a really really nice amount of money to. Um, to give to Kensington and to, um, and to Starfinder, I just, um, I'm not going to do that until people get the, the jerseys. Cause I don't want to like disperse all this money and then have people say, well, I still haven't gotten like my thing yet. So I'm just going to hold on to it for now and then we'll, we'll get it out from there. But, uh, that's it. Episode number. I can never remember what episode, what number episode we're doing, but it's always soccer in Philadelphia. Thank you very much for listening.